Yeah. Especially for people who love to talk about freedom. Right? Like, okay. they've never fought for my rights, so I know they're full of crap. bad and bullshit. Today is May 28th, the day before the election in 2023, and welcome to Native Calgarian. Oki, Naganago, Mekoche, Chestakom, Aki, or Dekots Nagotine Siku. Hi, my name is Red Thunderwoman. My married English name is Michelle Robinson, and I use she and her pronouns. My Dene lineage roots me in the land of the Great Bear Lake tribe in Treaty 11. My name, Dekots Nagotine Siku, is in Satu Dene. My people wore rabbit skin, so it's been referred to the land of the hair people. I'm a native to Turtle Island, and my Dene nation is a visitor to this area, Klinchou Tene Indahe, in Satu Dene, meaning many big dog town, named after the Calgary Stampede. I was born in Calgary, or in Blackfoot, Mokinstis, as Michelle Elliott, an English name which has afforded me privilege in an English colonial world. My mother is Northern Slavey Dene, or Satu Dene, but my Indian Act and Post status card by the Canadian government says Yellow Knives Dene. Through my father, I am a daughter of the Mayflower and a daughter of the American Revolution while having a Canadian Indian Act and Post status card, which is a colonial construct by Canadian policies meant to divide Indigenous peoples' inherent rights, Indigenous Two-Spirit or the Indigenous Two-SLGBTQ. They and, and Indigenous women are at the bottom of the Canadian socioeconomic ladder because of colonial trauma, imposed poverty, racism, gendered violence, and land theft through government policy. I do not speak on behalf of all Indigenous. I just share my road as I walk it. As a Dene woman who has attempted to run, uh, joined harmful colonial parties, spent money to be at expensive conventions, left my home to travel to those conventions just to vote on incomplete policies that still allow for incarceration, a denial of justice, denial of health care, racism, colonial trauma, and genocide of Indigenous and Black peoples, I have worked to continue, reports to advocate for, and attempt to work within these systems meant to harm me and my community. I think of all of this today, and I hope we honor the many lives lost for this so-called country named Canada. I hope you see your role as, um, in the importance of stopping this harm. As a citizen, see your role in reconciliation and as a treaty partner. Pride Month should never be one month. It is important to understand that the straight agenda and gendered violence was and is forced on these lands by Christian outsiders. Land acknowledgements are critical for creating that safer space for Indigenous, as well as honoring the host as a guest and acknowledging your role as a treaty partner in a so-called time of reconciliation. It's important land acknowledgements have meaning. I encourage everyone to introduce themselves with an acknowledgement of their ancestors, stories of displacement, and how you perceive your role as a treaty partner, a citizen of Canada, a refugee, slavery, or other land displacement, so we as Indigenous people know how safe you are to be around. If you won't pronounce your local Indigenous nations' names, won't pronounce your pronouns, say your story of origin, won't acknowledge stolen lands, won't acknowledge imposed economic oppression or your role in reconciliation, I determine how safe you are to be around my community, my family, and definitely me. Understanding land acknowledgements and the importance of that is Indigenous 101 because it immediately addresses colonialism, oppression dynamics, broken treaties, and lies taught today in Canadian schools nationally. That's why settlers and those who call themselves native Calgarians or whatever town you're from, show me you have no Indigenous 101 understanding. Jesse Wente's book Unreconciled explains this perfectly, as do many other Indigenous authored books. Land Back is a movement that could save the planet from climate change created by colonialism, but it would be a part of a treaty partnership, part of meaningful reconciliation, and honoring global initiatives like the United Nations Declaration of Rights of Indigenous People. I honor the Blackfoot as the elders that have been so kind to me on my Red Road journey. Elder Red Crane taught me how to pronounce my spirit name in Blackfoot, and Leonard Kenny taught me how to pronounce my name in Satu Dene. My humblest apologies to the Blackfoot and Dene elders and language keepers as I learn those proper pronunciation. I'm speaking to you on the lands of the Nitsitapi, which is the Blackfoot Confederacy. The Blackfoot south of the imposed U.S.-Canadian border are the Blackfeet. North of the border are the Siksika, Gainai, and Bagani of the Confederacy. 
These lands are Treaty 7, signed September 22nd, 1877, with signatures that include the Blackfoot Confederacy, the Wesley Chiniki Bearspaw Chiefs of the Stony Nation, and the Dene from Sutina. I acknowledge all First Nation, Métis, Inuit, status and non-status across Turtle Island as the keepers of these lands, all non-Indigenous or treaty partners with the government signing on your behalf. My Patreon account is Native Calgarian, where you can pledge and support. Thank you, previous donors, for showing your support. If you value listening or watching on YouTube and can afford to give, thank you. For those who cannot afford to give, I'd love to hear from you at nativeyyc at gmail.com, where you can send in your comments or questions. Also, giving a review helps whatever medium you're listening from. I have the YouTube channel that you can go and subscribe, or you can go to nativecalgarian.com for the latest podcasts and pin posts on social media. So today, I'm so happy to have my good friend Erica with me. Erica, would you like to introduce yourself in your way? My name is Erica Eiffel. I go by she, her pronouns. I live in what is now called Ottawa, but is traditionally the land of the Algonquin people. Um, My basic role, I am a Black woman, and I am a Black woman from whose parents are from Guyana, South America, whose, whose lineage includes African Black, um, South American Native Indian, uh, Portuguese, and I'm sure there's some other mixes in there. Um, I come, I come, I was born in this country, but my parents came here um, as immigrants. They had um, attended Canadian schools and immigrated here after political distress in Guyana which is where my parents are from, um, really became untenable. So that is part of my background. I have never, ever introduced myself like this. So thank you, Michelle, for making me dig into my origin story and also my identity and making it whole. Thank you. Mm, I love that. I'm so glad you're here because, you know, I, I have been watching your uh, media, what you've been doing. And I just think, you know, having that black lens has been so important. We have so much in common to talk about when it comes to, you know, colonialism, land displacement, racism, white supremacy. So it's just Mm -hmm. like, it's just like, thank God we have more voices at the table. (laughs) Yeah, no, to me, black and indigenous people are, are family. Yeah. To me, where we are... Now, obviously, like, whether you want to call it adopted family, community family, whatever, but um, we have so much in common. And what I learn in being in community with Indigenous women is radical love. That's what Indigenous women in BC, in Vancouver, taught me. Mm. Um, I was there. It was it was it was a difficult time for me. And it was the warm welcome of con- of conciliation, not reconciliation, but conciliation, because I feel like we still need to come together. Yeah. And so I love being in community with Indigenous people because I feel like you understand. The first of all, nobody understands the history of this country like Indigenous people. I don't go to, I don't go to white men to study Canada. Oh no, 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 no. Mm-mm. Right. Second of all, there is an understanding of compassion and love in the way it's in a political way, and a and an understanding of community that has to be taught to others, but with Indigenous peoples, especially Indigenous women. Okay, especially indigenous women. It is it is something that I don't have to explain. I don't have to explain myself to you. No, no. And you don't have to explain yourself to me. (laughs) Okay. now. But, you know, I'm always open to be I'm always like, okay, what am I missing? What am I missing here? Because I know that I only have my lens only goes so far and the overlap is only so wide. So I want to widen the overlap of my understanding too, because I'm always learning, always. I will never stop. 
Oh, vice versa. And, you know, um, like I was raised really redneck in the middle of uh, central Alberta and uh, it took a lot of unlearning. And I thought I was, you know, uh, addressed my anti-blackness because I watched Oprah all the time. religiously. (laughs) And then when the Black Lives Matter movement happened and we have a local um, activist here, everybody knows. And she and well, she and Adora Nufar, she has been a local activist that's been here doing all this amazing anti uh, Taylor McNally. Taylor McNally. Yeah. Yeah. So we have have these really two strong black, um, activists here and, Mm. uh, you know, it wasn't just them. It was, was all the black community across, uh, Turtle Island that really, Mm -hmm. you know, was putting out these, um, pieces that I was like, you know, I don't think I've addressed my anti-blackness quite a bit. Uh, we had a, a friend of ours growing up and, you know, he would say, look at this uh, during the Olympics, how this white guy who won a bronze would be on the front of the sun. And this mm-hmm. black dude who won a gold was on like page 13. Right. Mm-hmm. And it was like, oh, that's you know, that doesn't feel good. Right. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. these were things that were I thought I had addressed and I was watching mm-hmm. Oprah and she was good. So I was good. And it's like, no, I really think um, all of us have unlearning to do. And I've been oh, really yes. focusing on that internalized racism, uh, yeah. not just for me, but also the anti-blackness, the browns, like everyone, because yeah. it's there. I was raised on Arnold Schwarzenegger um, movies that hated all Muslims, right? Um, it took me a while to say Muslim. It took, like, I was a Muslim, right? Like, it just... Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. it took a long time. So, you know, it, I, I just I think it's important we acknowledge we can always learn from each other. And my my daughter just said that uh, they want to use they and them. So there's another one I'm trying to unlearn because it's one thing to do it with someone new. It's another to do it with your daughter. And absolutely. they are OK with uh, femme terms like daughter. But, um, Mm -hmm. you know, trying to go to they, them has been a bit of a, I'm catching myself a lot. (laughs) I still do. I still, um, a friend of mine went to they, them and I'm, I'm still, but it's funny. She said to me, or see, I'm doing it. I know. I hear you. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) sorry. You know who you are. They, I'm like, see, I'm going to screw this up. And they were like, it's okay, Erica. Like. Like it's an adjustment, you know, I say, you know, so I just made a boo-boo and I corrected myself and that's okay. Let's talk about the election. Let's do that. Oh my goodness. We were talking offline. I'm like, we got to hit record. Holy. Cause uh, like, we just, we have to, um, you know, let's start by addressing why it is everyone out east thinks every native is against all oil and gas. Let's start there. Yes, I love this. Let's go in hot because I've noticed this. Yeah. I've noticed this because I grew up in Edmonton, okay? And I know, like, I know when I'm out in Ontario, I'm like, this is not universal, people. This is not a universal view. It's the same. I know from Blackness that we have all sorts of Black people. We have conservative black people, respectability black people, politics black people. We have all, we have, you know, the activist black people. It, it's a range. Yep. So I want, I want to hear mm. about this. This is a nuance that I think that it's not even that nuanced, to be honest. It's not nuanced. No. Let me, t- let me, let me be, let me just say it is, it is not a nuanced concept to think that other Indigenous people might want a pipeline. And the pipeline politics plays deep and wide in BC, Alberta, and Saskatchewan. Yeah, yeah, it, it's bad. So, so let's let's unpack it. So Let's unpack. Yeah. So folks who don't know, all Indians are uh, called an Indian under the Indian Act. If you are not an Indian, I highly recommend you do not use that terminology unless saying the Indian Act. Um, you know, it, tell us about native. Sure. <laughs> so, you know, well, 
I name native Calgarian native uh, because I've had lots of non-Indigenous people who are proud to be born in Calgary say, well, I'm a native Calgarian. And I always go, what nation are you from? And then they go, no, I mean, I was born here. And I go, yeah, I know what you meant. But when you say the term native, that means people who are originally from here. So maybe you could call yourself a Calgarian. You were born here, that you could say that, but you're still a seller. Right. Um, but for Indigenous, a lot of us just call each other native. So I don't care if you're Inuit or Métis, I'll call you native. And that's just kind of our slang that we use for each other. But so I'm getting that this is like the N word for Black people. It is. In the sense that some Black people, I will use, you know, the N word with the A because I know they can handle it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. But this doesn't work with all black people. And I know which black people to do it and which black people not to do it because respectability. Right. And so the same my- with a lot of us as indigenous. Right. Like they worked really hard on their Ph.D. You are not calling yeah. them native or um, exactly. Indian. Yeah. Which yeah. is which is which is another class breakdown. Right. And so my but outside of us. Eight, nobody can say that word. Nobody can say that word. So this is what I'm getting from the word native. Yep. And and I like to really utilize that term because I am native, right? So I, I'm, it's like a taking it back because I when people say they're a native Calgarian or native Torontonian, whatever they call themselves, I'm like, hmm, what band are you from? Just to kind of emphasize the point, like you are not recognizing settler dynamics here, colonialism, rec- like treaty partnership, nothing, right? So uh, that's why I use that term. Indigenous is that umbrella term for First Nation, Métis, and Inuit. So like that's a really great term for non-Indigenous um, to use is Indigenous, right? Unless they've said, I'm Dene, then don't call me Indigenous. So just call me Dene because I'm Dene. And, um, you know, so, and I, I tell people like this, it's like, if you're from, I don't know, if you're from Ontario and you say I'm from Ontario and everybody calls you a Canadian and you're like, you're, I'm okay with being called a Canadian, but you know, I'm from Ontario. So why wouldn't you break that demographic down a bit? And right. So just to kind of hope to help some settlers that may not get it. I don't know how demeaning it could be. So, <laughs> and, and Dene no. means people, right? So when people say Dene people, it's like, you're, it's like, you're saying people, people. don't say dene people just say dene okay and this is this the these are the this is the nation from that originally settled in cal in cal around calgary area uh black this is blackfoot territory and i know this is blackfoot territory this is blackfoot territory during treaty seven and the signal like the signing of treaty seven that by then there was some displacement by then. Mm. So that's why you have the stony and that's why you have the Sutina. The Sutina say that they've always been here too, but there's been a lot of um, movement within the Blackfoot territory and the Blackfoot territory went all the way up to Edmonton. Right. Like it was huge. Yeah. So like it's, I remember that from school, by the way, I do remember that, that the Blackfoot territory was huge. Huge. It was basically half of Alberta. Uh, it, and a little bit north and of Saskatchewan and way down and into the States. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So like all of right. the reserves have really brought us down into these tiny little areas. And then in the States, the Blackfoot reservation or Blackfeet, sorry, reservation is like a small little piece compared to what their territory actually is. And that's why when people say like, oh, are we on native land? I'm like, I don't know. Are you in Canada? You're on native land. If are you in the States, you're in, are, you know, <laughs> are you on Turtle Island? Yeah. Actually, to be honest, like if you want to, if you want to be correct, like native land could be from like Alaska all the way down to the edge of Chile. Right. Yeah. Because um, further South, my people, the Amerindians um, traveled down through Central America, settled around Guyana and, um, and Brazil. Yeah. And all over. Cause we, we share that with Brazil like the Amerindians sort of genealogy with Brazil. And so um, it's really interesting to see. I'm very interested in the movement of people. 
And I'm very interested in what makes people displaced, what makes people move, what makes people, you know, that kind of thing and what the effects are. It's a very, it's very important. I want to make it really clear that as Indigenous people to this area, like we really welcome newcomers with the assumption you're going to respect the place and share, which obviously Canada and those who identify as Canadians have not done. So, you know, that's the treaty breakdown right there. Mm-hmm. Right. So mm-hmm. and uh, my de- my people, the Dene, like we're all the way from the tip all the way down into the tip of uh, South America. And, and we do. Oh, migrate, right. So like I'm okay. from way up north. There's the Dene here, there's the Dene mm-hmm. in Navajo country, and there's Dene all the way down through the Americas, right? So those wow. are, yeah, like my people are, are everywhere, literally. So there's just pockets of us. Yeah. 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 So within that context, so let's talk about this election, not in a settler context as much as possible. Okay. Sure. Cause that's what I'm really interested in too, because I want to, I want, I know we're, I know we're going to make some mistakes and I know it's not going to be perfect, but let's just try this exercise anyway. And, or, or we could just identify when we have to go into that. Okay. Sure. So this is going to be fun. So back to the Indian act, we're all Indians right. under the Indian act. We're actually wards of the state of the state of Canada. Okay, you're no matter what, you're wards of the state. No matter what. So there's a great book for- which is complete control, complete of control. the state yeah. over every aspect of your life. Life. I just want to underline that, yeah. especially for people who love to talk about freedom, right? Like okay. they've never fought for my rights. So I know they're full of crap. Um, <laughs> by the way, you can swear on this. I use the you nice word. You can swear on that in <laughs> You can, listen, there's no need for, 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 um, respectability, you know, <laughs> respectability politics. Exactly. We're not doing that here. Okay. Yeah. So kind of like that big picture here where people think we have control over our lands and we do not. Mm-hmm. So there is an organization called Indian Oil and Gas, and they were mm-hmm. the ones through the federal government. I mean, Preston, Preston Manning was the CEO for a long time. Just to give you an mm-hmm. idea, right, like how it was controlled by white people as well. Um, today, there's an actual indigenous woman who's like a part of that. But, you know, like it. I think people don't understand that we'd have no rights. We have no rights to development and business. So for folks who don't understand any of this, start with 21 things you don't know about the Indian Act. It's a simple read, easy read. You can leave it in your washroom and it'll be done it like that. Um, But really, the Indian Act controls our life. And as a result... Like when it comes to oil and gas development, like we are under like, and I've said that at the beginning of my podcast, we're at the bottom of the socioeconomic ladder because of imposed poverty, because of the Indian Act. That is why we are in the situation Mm -hmm. we're in. So when somebody, some oil and gas company comes along and says, hey, you want to do a little bit of revenue sharing and a couple of jobs? We're like, yes, sign me up. So we sign up. And we get a little bit of money and we get maybe a a new rec center or something. So, yeah, you see people who are Indigenous out in Alberta that are like pro oil and gas because the government sure isn't helping us and saving us. So if we partner with uh, with an energy company, maybe then we can get, I don't know, clean drinking water. So um, this province is actually one that had a lot more of the clean drinking water than any of the other provinces because of development, because we were given that little carrot at the end of the stick. Right. So say that again. (laughs) Right. So and and for folks who don't know, my background was literally drafting wells and pipelines until I went and had my baby. And then when I experienced systemic racism in the hospital, That was when I was like, we really need to unpack this because I was definitely that Indian that was a a proud apple, red on the outside and white on the inside. And today, walking down that red road, trying to unlearn, unlearn all of that, right? I was a neoliberal. It's fine. So that that's me, right? Like we're that's all what I do. Evolved. Yeah, we yeah. Evolved, okay. So, By the way, I have a little. Upward. Go ahead. Go mm-hmm. ahead. I have a little. Uh, yes, yes. That's why. Okay. So, 
Anybody who knows me knows that I am from Alberta, right? And sometimes I'm like, I'm so glad, like, thank you. Because I feel like um, there's a culture here. There's a cultural difference here that is just wild. Yes, yes. And and, and I'm going to tell you guys. Alberta's like, wild. So it's for folks who don't know, I grew up in domestic violence. I grew up with a Boilermaker father union. So I know, um, you know, in, in central Alberta, where all of my friends were divorced, you know, the product of beatings, <laughs> you know, cause, and it wasn't considered bad at that time. It was you, you needed to yeah. learn a lesson. Anyway, yeah, yeah. regardless, and and alcohol, like there's functioning alcoholics who can yeah. like, you know, still work a 40 hour work, work week. So yeah. they're OK. And yeah. so addiction is a real issue in Alberta. And only now that I'm older and I'm packing a lot of it, my like, we really had a problem. Then. And and really, and we've lost friends like I, I have a um, my my husband's two best friends. One died drunk, jumping into a raging river. And the other one is wow. in jail, right? And this was all substance-related issues. So, right, you know, and and that's that's where we're at. Where where it was like, well, my my husband didn't go down that road, and he ended up working. And even though you know he very well could have done that even through work, um, you know, he's he's not uh, he's not in sobriety. He doesn't have an addiction, but he has a podcast where he focuses on helping people with their sobriety. So that's the Mm -hmm. other one he produces. And these are issues that really matter to us because we are Mm -hmm. surrounded by, like, I have an uncle who's in, um, AA and proudly has been in there for decades and I'm proud of him and so many of my friends and family. And then I'm sure you follow, I care a lot about the drug poisoning issue here happening in Alberta and, uh, I, I get Narcan and that's its own journey. But that bigger picture is that like, we have to stop with this addiction issue that we have here. But I mean, honestly, we could all say we're addicted to oil and gas too. And we don't have a sales tax in Alberta because oil revenue has always stopped us from being able to do that. But you know what? There were major changes at the UN when it came to um, fossil fuel extraction policies, global policies, trade agreements. And I ran in the last election, hoping that Albertans were ready for positive change. We're ready for like, okay, this is here. Um, One of my favorite Albertans is Dr. Uh, Kevin Taff. He was a former liberal leader and he wrote an excellent book about uh, basically the global policies that were changing, that we're going to leave Alberta behind because we don't have a sales tax. Like we literally could collapse (laughs) right away. And, And we are, so we need to focus on some, some serious changes and nobody in Alberta who's like, you know, sniffing cocaine, drinking beer, riding around in their big Dodge truck is going to be like, yeah, let's totally transition. No, <laughs> no. I'm loving the voice. Okay. <laughs> so, so anyway, we do have lots of folks like, and just to give folks, especially out east an understanding, um, the Métis here actually have the only province has their own jurisdictions like we have Métis settlements uh, north of of uh, Edmonton that is not uh, any other place so we have um, these Métis wait settlements minute, that are currently under fire by the way and um, and lots of reserves that are up in those areas where they want to do the oil extraction and they want to make pipelines and such so like they they benefit financially from that and that's why mm-hmm. a lot of them are for it. Under the Indian Act, chief and council have to do what the Canadian government says. It's like um, a lot of people think they're like a mayor and councillors, but they're not. They have mm-hmm. a very small job and window under the Indian Act of what they are allowed to do. Now, our hereditary chiefs, they are not under the jurisdiction of the Indian Act. but the Canadian- Because they're not part of the reserve system. No, they are. Right. They they are that. Well, okay. in the sense that we're all forced to be right. Yeah. No, sorry. Um, I meant the uh, political reserve system. So in other words, yes. Tell us the difference. Let me let me just be quiet and let you talk. Okay. Sure. So like we talked about the huge area of what Blackfoot territory is. But what it has become under these stupid little reserves, thanks to the Canadian government's imposed Indian Act. 
But honestly, the hereditary chiefs actually do have jurisdiction far all the way up to Edmonton. I'm sure that would piss off all of the uh, Cree um, north of the Red Deer River. But that is the truth, is that the Cree and the Blackfoot used to have their own international treaties with each other. And they would work it out at Wetaskiwin every year. And that's the hills where the peace, uh, peace was made. That's what Wetaskiwin. In Wetaskiwin? In Wetaskiwin. <laughs> where cars cost wow. less. <laughs> yes. Okay. So for okay. folks Yo. at least, that's a jingle that every Alberta knows. Yes. 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 Okay. Every Alberta was less in Wetaskiwin. All the time. All the time. And it would go, cars cost wow. <laughs> You're bringing back memories. Yeah. <laughs> I'm excited. I know, right? So so this is the story of Alberta with, with Indigenous peoples and their relationship with oil and gas. Now, I would argue we still got raped, like, wholeheartedly when it came to um, revenue sharing, job creation, and jurisdiction, and governance, like, 100%. But here's the other thing. It wasn't until I had my baby that I really like I grew up in domestic violence and just knew ah, men hate women here. That's great. But that was just how I believed life was because it's so sexist and misogynistic here, folks. Like you can't I can't even possibly describe how ugly it is. So I was just like, ah, this is Alberta where nobody respects women and women get raped and murdered all the time because it wasn't even just indigenous. It was non-indigenous as well. So. I started to really unpack that once I had my child and I experienced systemic racism in the hospital and then uh, dealing with systemic misogyny. Like, you know, there are other places in the world where it's not acceptable to go, to do this to people. And the issue of missing and murdered Indigenous women, girls and Two-Spirit is really a strong issue here in Alberta because there is no respect towards um, non-white people people and there's no respect to like their gendered violence is rampant so i i seen only after i experienced systemic racism in the hospital how i was still contributing to this issue of missing and murdered indigenous women because um i was a part of the oil and gas system and because you know it here's the here's the thing that i really want folks to understand calgary is so powerful There are so many international mining companies that are headquartered here in uh, Calgary, and they actually are murdering Indigenous people, not just locally, not just provincially, not just nationally, but globally. And they can get away with it because we have um, such uh, easy laws that in other jurisdictions, like you, you can't prosecute us the way we should be prosecuted, frankly. So if these oil executives, and I mean, and, and actually they do understand this issue, but here's the thing. They are so racist. They are so racist against Indigenous people that they would they are okay with us dying in order for them to make money and live a comfy lifestyle and fly to Mexico twice a year, all those things. So I, I think that Canadians really need to understand, like, this is a sickness here that really needs to be addressed. And, and ironically, it will be because globally, these policies are changing. And when when it hits Alberta and it did already and people blame Notley and they blame Trudeau. But the truth is, these are global policies that are affecting Alberta and Albertans are not. Uh, willing to learn about why it is affecting us the way it is. So this particular election, back to that, is based on this idea that, well, we can't trust Notley because I need my oil and gas jobs. But ironically, for people who would read and people people who vote conservatives <laughs> don't actually, they they will not look into their their past and their policies. Conservatives are fiscally the most irresponsible. And the last UCP government under Jason Kenney and now Daniel Smith actually lost us the most jobs as well. So ironically, the very voters for conservatives think they are the best fiscal uh, party for them when ironically they are not. And that's why as a liberal, it's just like it's watching a train wreck happen. Because I don't want it to happen. I don't want people to lose their livelihood and their jobs. I want to see a nice, just green transition. But Albertans are stubborn and addicted and don't want to change. So they're going to get lost here. Uh, So that's why this election is kind of important. But if you also notice, Rachel Notley 
she's not talking about that green energy. She's not talking about just transitions. She's just like, hey, you can't trust she's this not, lady. Maybe you should she's trust not me. Talk, she's not talking about the environment. Nope. At None all. of the parties are, other than the Green Party. I, I don't want to throw the Green Party under the bus, but. I mean, I just like, I'm like, I'm sorry. I, <sighs> Rachel Notley coming out looking like a PC disturbed me. Yeah. Yeah. But and I'm like, I know, I know, but she didn't have to wear blue. That was my point. Like that was a bridge too far for me. Okay. And I'm like, but, but you're asking people to trust you, but you're not even like, you're not engaging in your own values. Yeah. So why should anybody trust you? Like, I, I just like, nobody's trustworthy in this. Okay. Yes. <laughs> that was my whole point. But, but, but Danielle, Danielle Smith is a nut. Um, she's a nut. She's a nut case. Um, I'm blocked by Danielle Smith. <laughs> no, let me tell you why I'm blocked by Danielle Smith. It's because she put out, um, a tweet that had a picture of Jugmeet Singh uh and do you remember that tweet it was Jugmeet Singh uh and he was saying she was saying something about can you trust this man to like run your country or whatever and i i think it was pictured next to something very like racist like the imagery itself was very racist. So I told her, I said, this is a racist tweet. Yeah. I didn't call her a racist, although I know she's a racist. Um, I just said, this is a racist tweet. And she blocked me. And I was like, well, well done, Erica. You are blocked by the most hideous people on the internet. It's true. Yeah, no, I, and you know, and it's important that that gets said. So basically for folks who don't know, conservatives out here block anyone who doesn't agree with them. That's like Michelle Rempel, uh, municipally, my own uh, counselor has me blocked. Um, this is what they do because they just, they can't handle criticism and they don't want to see ugly comments in their feeds. So they just block anybody who, they can't have constructive dialogue with anybody. Um, they just have their own talking points and that's what they focus on. And if you're not a part of their talking points, you get blocked. What's wrong with the media over there, over here? Oh, they never hold and anybody they, they to account. They don't. Like, that softballing that I saw, I was just like... Yeah. Where, where, what happened? To, where? You know, and I would even argue that happened out east with Harper when he, like, shut down the uh, Parliamentary Bureau, where mm-hmm. um, there was a real, like, silence from a lot of the media. Now, most of the media here is actually owned by conservatives, so... Um, that's part of the reason why they never get hard hitting questions. And that's why like independent media matters so much. Right. So that's why you'll Mm. see the conservatives go after any kind of like the CBC, like here's the ironic part is that Harper installed the last appointed board members. So when I listen to the CBC, I think it's ridiculously conservative out here, but ironically, um, they they say it's oh liberal media and it's not liberal media. It's actually run by conservative appointed board members. So I even like want to throw my radio out the window lots of times listening to the CBC because they're so conservative and they never hold any of these conservatives to account. So mm-hmm. for me, it's so frustrating because there's so few places that you can go for real independent media here. And that, that is the impetus as to why I started Date of Calgary, because there's no Indigenous voices. Um, mm-hmm. There is a really great group out here called Windspeaker. They have a radio mm-hmm. station and they do like journalism. So them and APTN, they have journalists out here. So those mm-hmm. are the only people that I see really holding to account um, the politicians here, but because they're indigenous, all the non-natives are like, oh, I'm not going to read that because they have power and privilege not to. Right. So that's, I would say, where the best part of it is. And even they will do not respectability articles, but try to showcase like we have a UCP indigenous man running. So one, he's a man and two, he's non-status. And what that means is, is that he hasn't had the same level of oppression that those of us who are status have. And because he's a man, he gets away with that misogyny that a lot of women would like, we just 
are oppressed under. So, um, you know, I, I can see why he ran UCP. <laughs> you know, that that's his deal. That's his jam, mm-hmm. man. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think that that's really interesting in terms of, um, you know, the dynamics of what what those dynamics look like out here. Because I personally am more and more disappointed with Canadian news media every day. And now I, you know, I don't get my news from CBC or Global or CTV. I don't. I subscribe to Apple News. I have like a thousand newsletter friggin' emails, okay, that are unread. Yeah. And... And I listen to podcasts and I don't listen to CBC podcasts or global podcasts or any. Po- First of all, those are radio shows masquerading as podcasts. So that's number one. Um, but also I don't, I don't see they're going to give me a headline and they're going to give me some sort of summary, right? Mm-hmm. I don't want, I want something with depth. I want something that will help me to understand the context of the issue, the history of the issue, and all of that. I want more. And so what I want is just to give people more, but there really, I think, needs to be like a conversation on progressive media, progressive politics, and where the fuck, and it's dying. And the problem with the NDP moving right is that there's no left. And that is the problem. So there's nobody politically to support us and what we're doing. And that is the problem. Yes. A hundred percent. Yeah. I know. I, I'm really disappointed that I can't run this time, but I can't run for a multitude of reasons. But the biggest one is the party that I really felt strongly about has really mm-hmm. changed direction under the leadership or the loss, I guess, of, of David Kahn. And because mm. he was a queer BIPOC, um, you know, he... I follow him. He's great. He's just so great. He's, uh, since he's left, so he left uh, to go to Vancouver. And yes. um, yeah, so he's yeah. obviously, he's changing careers. So he's a lot more quiet. Mm-hmm. But honestly, he was one of the best voices we had in Alberta for a long time. And it's a mm-hmm. real shame that um, folks chose not to elect him because I think he would have been the one giving some sort of accountability to this province. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Draco, bad. So let's talk about the wildfires, actually. How's that? How is that playing out in Indigenous communities across Alberta? You know, a lot of Indigenous people are just being displaced. So, like, um, so I'm Satu Denny. I'm further north than Yellowknife, but a lot of my cousins now are further south. So like I I have a cousin in Hay River that was displaced and he went Mm. up to see my auntie in Yellowknife while the week of them trying to get it under control and just recently went back. But they're on a like a quick evasion or evacuation order just in case. Mm. So Mm. uh, he, he went back. But for a lot of the folks up north, like they're just displaced. And um, yeah, so this election, like I, I, my husband voted yesterday and there was at least two people from displaced areas up north that came down. But, I, you know, she didn't tell me if they were white or not. Um, yeah, because a lot of Indigenous don't vote. We actually have the power to absolutely change this country with a vote. But actually, a lot of us don't vote. And um, if the people up north all chose to, like we could have Green Party, we could have NDP, whatever it is they want. But uh, they chose not to cancel the election. And because the kids are out on reading wink at the university, that is a high demographic that would be against the conservatives. And they are not, you know, they're they're busy. So, yeah. So a lot of folks that would be against the conservatives are displaced. Well, that's not true. A lot of people up north love the conservatives and they win all the time there for that reason. So but a lot of indigenous won't vote anyway, because they just they see it as another nation. They see Canada as another nation as and as an occupier. But um, I see it as, you know, you have an opportunity to give a, a protest vote. 
Yeah. Right. Like you go vote and you're protesting in the most nonviolent way possible. And the most, like, as you said, it's respectable politics, right? Respectability. <laughs> yeah. I, um, I believe, uh, I could, I, I used to be like, I don't get why people do vote and da da da. See, no, neoliberal. Anyway, um, <laughs> You're all there, but I get America. it. <laughs> I get it. Now I get it. And in more in the sense that, I just get it more. And I feel like um, I understand, first of all, people do not f- for do not call indigenous people, indigenous Canadians. OK, please. No, 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 no. Canada should come into your vocabulary when describing indigenous people at all. Because they are a se- they are separate nations. You are separate nations, right? Over and basically, basically, that's what reconciliation should mean, right? Is this this pathway between these nations or, or amongst these nations? These these like I I once I started to understand that I was like oh oh all of a sudden Canada itself started looking differently to me. Listen, there is there is one of the most educational pieces ever written is the Missing and Murdered Indigenous Women and Girls Final Report. Yeah. You want to know anything about the Indian Act and the effects of the Indian Act, especially the gendered effects of the Indian Act? It's excellent. Now, it's a long read, but worth it. Um... I I learned so much from that document. It's free. Google it, download it, read it. It's summer. You all have book clubs or something. Like do that. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Like I, I can't stress enough that it really, it is the responsibility of all Canadians to read that report along with the Truth and Reconciliation Commission report. Absolutely. Those two things have to be mandatory reading by all Canadians, no matter how young or old you are. And I think until people do that, they will never understand. And that's why um, I won't even engage with people who haven't read them because it's, it's not a, a, you know, a conversation that's genuine. It's mm-hmm. disingenuous, uh, you know, for me to be asked to educate somebody when they have done zero work on learning about us. Right. So, mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. that document though, Oh, opened my mind. Okay. Yeah. And it made me understand what this country's like. I look at this country differently mm-hmm. ever since then. Yeah. I, and um, that's where I sort of started learning about doctrine of discovery too. Yeah. And, um, so then I was like, oh, Canada's not even a, a real country. Okay. Like, it's honestly, true. It's, it's true. true. It's true. I know. Listen, Ottawa's squatting. Parliament is squatting. Let's right? put it that way. The original squatters are Canadian. Yeah, 100%. exactly. Exactly. And that's how mm-hmm. we would be willing to share if there was equity, but there isn't. It's an, it, there's never equity. There's never equity. So of course we're not there. And, and Canadians, they won't even read these two reports. So if they won't mm. even read them when they're free, come on, come on. Don't, don't pretend you give a shit about resolving these issues. If you're not willing to read these reports. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. We and the recommendations. A, yeah. And by the way, recommend, I do recommend that if you actually have read them, start joining recon, like reconciliation committees. So here in Calgary, we have a reconciliation action group. So you'll, sh- you'll see me share a lot of that information because like these are settlers that are like, oh my God, before I just thought you guys were dumb. Now we know that there was policies behind it. And so, right. Right. So now they're willing to do some work. Like we have a, a major high school here, uh, Diefenbaker High School. And while that yeah. name is problematic in itself, their mascot are the Chiefs. No, no, fuck yeah, that's yep, yep, yes, yeah. Even the Washington team had to get rid of that name, okay? You you think maybe they'd get it, yeah, because I remember when the owner was, was feeling himself, okay, and he's like, We will never change the name. Oh, really? All right, you know what's sick is that 
corporations have to get involved for them to do the right thing. That is gross. That's a problem. And yet in, in Canada, everybody's like, I'm a native Calgarian and I like my beer and I'm going to be a woo, 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 for different Baker Chiefs. Like, and that's, Yikes. they think that's okay while they go hit their women and go snort some cocaine and drive around in their Dodge truck. They do love their cocaine and meth. I got to say. How? Like, this is Alberta. This is, this is the yeah. thinking here. So like, we have a lot of cultural unpacking here to do mm. in order to really be honest about this conversation of what reconciliation needs to be. But frankly, mm. we're not there. The premier and uh, possible winner of tomorrow's election, she's an Indian residential school denier. So yes, that's she where is. I'm at. Yeah. And I think it's really sad mm. that Canadians, like, just as the Nazis had to create all of these laws in Germany to be like, okay, we can't, you know, be proud of Hitler. We can't be proud of Nazis. We can't be uh, showing Nazi symbols. We can't, like, we need strict hate laws here in Calgary, in, in Canada, frankly, so that this Diefenbaker chief stuff, like, is gone, so that all of this logo stuff and mascots is gone, but also, so is that understanding, like, no one in Germany is proud of World War II. We need every Canadian not proud of the policies they've imposed on Indigenous people and working 24-7 to undo them. Well, I will just say, we are three years after the murder of George Floyd. We are two years after um, the discovery of the remains of the children from um, in BC, from the residential school in BC. The name slips me right now. I Can apologize. Canloops. Is it Canloops? Canloops, yeah. Okay, why Why did I think it was... Okay, sorry. Obviously, I can remember Canloops. Okay. So, um, you know, like from Canloops, two years, and everybody fucking forgot. Yeah. And the thing is, the thing is, you know what I saw? Like... Andrew Coyne, who is one of the most prominent um, columnists in this country, retweeted a residential school denier, Terry Glavin. Yeah. Yeah. And it was, and it, you know, that didn't go past me. Okay. Because, <laughs> you know, I responded and be like, maybe you want to skip the residential school deniers to make your point. Yeah. And I said, you know. That's a choice. You made an active choice. Yeah. Tweeting residential school deniers on China. Yeah. Because you should trust people who have who have harassed Jagmeet Singh. This man has harassed Jagmeet Singh. I'm talking about Terry Glavin. Yeah. Uh, races in, in a racist way. Yeah. He's a residential school denier. Yeah. And now, now every, every Chinese Canadian is a spy. Yeah, I know white supremacy this is, is where a we're sickness. At, people. Yeah, it's a sickness. Um, the TRC, when it came out in 2015, call to action uh, 57 is anti-racism training and indigenous education. Well, Absolutely. it is 2023. Eight years mm -hmm. later, and there's no major infrastructure put together on training people about their racism. And, and columnists like this are getting away with, you know, what, what upsets me the most is that an Andrew Coyne will legitimize somebody like Terry by that retweet. And mm -hmm. it just moves the pendulum that much more to the right, that Absolutely. much more to the right. So I hope I hope Canadians can see how it is Hitler got to the point they did, but also how genocide continues in Canada, because we know these policies are killing, whether it's like the drug poisoning issue, you know, not yeah. putting infrastructure in for housing that was cut back in Paul Martin's time. You know, yeah. uh, there's a, a lot reason of why a lot of public services were cut yeah. in Paul Martin's time and he was praised for it. Right. And, and now we're living with the ramifications of an incredible issue of not having enough houses. And we're bringing in refugees left, right and center. And we don't give them the infrastructure to be successful. 
So like we know that a lot of people will just end up being the janitors, et cetera. That's why you never look down on a janitor ever Mm -mm. because Mm -mm. that person is likely a doctor wherever they're from. But in Canada have hit so many systematic pieces to be unable to do what they're probably best to do for. So my housekeeper was a corporate lawyer. See in her hundred in her country. It's yeah. disgusting. It's disgusting. Yeah. We we should have better ways and mechanisms of bringing people in. And here, like, and just for folks out east who are probably listening for the first time, um, I'm going to tell you a sad fact of Canada's refugee system that we see here, right where I live. We brought in tons of um, lost boys from the South Sudan. And Mm -hmm. we have a huge South Sudanese community as a result, but some of them have mental health issues. And because we don't have culturally appropriate support systems for them, they just openly murdered one of them right on our main drag in front of so many people and their family, the the mother had to come all the way up. And I think she, she relocated to Nigeria. So she moved to Canada just so Mm -hmm. that she could try to get justice for her son. And, and this oh, is geez. the type of thing that happens here because he's black. Every You know, Erica, I know our listeners who are like, yeah, it's pretty fucking racist. They're, they all know there will never be justice for this family. And it's disgusting. Never. Never, you know, and, and that's the problem that we, we bring in refugees. And if they're not white, like we have a great system for those Ukrainians. This is the third wave of Ukrainians out West, the third wave. And we have great infrastructure for them, but we sure didn't for the Syrians and we sure aren't for the South Sudanese and even the Vietnamese that came here. Like, you know, I I would argue that every barrier you can possibly face happens if you're not white. I agree. And on that note, yep, we're going to put a pin in this because you and I are going to talk again. Yeah, because I want to hear you talk more about addiction yeah. About addiction policies. Yes. Um, I think you have a very compassionate approach to it. And that's what I, I want to sort of, that's the approach I want to have. Sounds so, great. I mean, this cross, like, let's do this. I love this. Okay. It is 717. I'm missing succession. And I'm like, because I'm like, screw it. Let's just keep talking. Yeah, let's just do it. it. I know. So, you no, know, you and I are going to do this again. Yep. And, um, and, you know, I hope tomorrow's result is, uh, but it, uh, uh, okay. The last uh, polls put the UCP in the lead, man. We're, we're in big. Yeah. yeah. Do you want to bet? Okay. Do you want to put this out there? Um, if Rachel loses tomorrow, do you want to bet mm-hmm. that she'll step down? She should. Yeah. But I don't think she will. Oh, for folks who out east who don't know, her dad was Grant Notley, who died. He was like the founder of the NDP here in Alberta, and he died in a plane crash. Oh, no, that she ain't gonna. Nope, nope, nope. That's her birthright, remember? She thinks it's her birthright. Well, yeah. you know, isn't it ironic that the conservatives won't attack her on nepotism? Because it's like, mm. so obvious. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Well, that explains a lot. Yeah. So, so what do you think? She'll step down tomorrow or no? No, she won't. No. Yeah. She should, but she won't. Well, I think they should at least call a leadership race at the very minimum and see if she got reelected. Let's have a leadership race. Yeah. Let's, let's have a leadership race so that all the ideas and the frustrations can come out on the floor. Like they need, that's what they need. (laughs) And one other thing. So Mm. out here, the conservatives, they eat each other like dogs. So on door knockings right now, all the conservatives, conservatives, all the conservatives, they are saying we're going to get rid of Daniel Smith. Don't vote, uh, you know, vote for me. Don't vote for Daniel Smith. Vote for me. So I guarantee tomorrow after the election, there will be a leadership race in the UCP as well. I guarantee that is coming up because they will eat her. They are eating her right now. So they're going to get rid of her as soon as freaking possible. Heard it here first, kids. <laughs> oh, I love these predictions. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Hopefully they don't replace her with someone worse. Oh, they will. They'll find some other Yahoo that has yeah. said something trying And it'll be a man. Racist. Oh, 
it'll be bad. It'll be it'll be awful. Don't worry. And yeah. and then yeah. I'll bet you, even before the next election, they'll not have gotten rid of not just her, but that whoever that person is, and have somebody new for the election. So that, like that's yeah. how bad the conservatives are out here. Yeah, yeah, they do eat their young. It's true. They do. <laughs> All right. Well, we're going to we're going to talk again. And um, you got to let me at least watch the last hour. (laughs) Oh, God, yes. (laughs) Okay. Let me find out who ends up on top or if they all fall apart. (laughs) All right. I'll see you soon. I just miss you, Erica. I miss you, too, love. Bye. Bye. Bye.